This is Pete Camila, and you are listening to Cheap Talk. Cheap Talk 49. It's time for some Cheap Talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. Welcome back to Cheap Talk. I'm one of your hosts, Ken Mills, and as usual, I am joined by the ever-lovely, effervescent, Brian Cramp. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you, Ken? I'm groovy, and you and I, we are recovering from the great time we had in Nashville at the 2018 Rockin' Pod. It was great this year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was really great. We'd like to send a special shout out to Rhonda Kaufman who helped get bail money for us. <laughs> she she actually donated to to help the rock and pod happen and it was money well spent because BJ is here. So we had a heck of a time and we have a show that we're working on about the doctor. That'll be episode fifty and fifty one, side one and side two of the doctor. But today we're talking about some people that we ran into that love Cheap Trick, and you might have heard of them, right, BJ? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> today we're going to have some interviews where BJ would ask some of the celebrities that were there about one of our favorite bands, Cheap Trick. And you never know, when you start talking Cheap Trick with someone, it, it, it just seems to go everywhere, doesn't it? Yeah, well, one thing you find is that Every everybody, every musician, everybody in rock bands from this that generation, from Cheap Chick's generation or the next generation, they all love Cheap Trick. Uh-huh. It's kind of a universal thing. They're they're the band's band, you know. So all these guys, um, like I I asked Stephen Chereau from Kick Tracy about Cheap Trick, and he didn't really have any stories, but he just said he loved them. And you know, Troy Lachetta from Tesla said all the guys in Tesla love Cheap Trick. You know, everybody everybody loves them. So, even Tuck and Ricky from the Biters. Of course, yeah. Obviously, the Biters love Cheap Trick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got—I was lucky enough to meet them. What about you, no, BJ? Did, 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 no did you comment. Get, what you didn't get to meet the guys from the Biters? No, I was very disappointed that I never didn't even know that Tuck was there. I knew that the bass player was coming, but I the Tuck wasn't even supposed to come. He just showed up with the guy, and then. I didn't see him while he was there. I found that he had been there after he was already gone. Yeah, it was really weird. I, I think the only reason I got to talk to them is because we had candy. Because we do a show called The Fun Size Show, which is a podcast where we kind of play a musical game show where someone comes on and we have ten questions and three guesses to try to figure out the artist and the song, right? So we had yeah. a bunch of candy there and a candy... You know, there's one of those candy containers where you take the lid off and you can get the candy out of it, just like in the old five and dime store or whatever. Tuck was on that candy, so I'm I'm glad I had it. And it was weird because when I saw him, he had the necklace that he has on in all his videos. And I, I was talking to someone, I looked up and I saw that necklace and I go, that necklace is exactly like the guy from the, and I looked up at his face and I said, you're, you're Tuck from the Biters, right? And, and, uh. He said, yeah, and so we talked a little bit about Cheap Trick. Unfortunately, I wasn't recording it, but he loves Cheap Trick. No doubt, yeah. Great guys, and they love them. But you got some really cool interviews. Let's uh, talk about which one you want to play first, BJ. Let's start off with the guys from Stars and kind of go chronologically. The 
Uh, Joe X Doobie, the drummer from Stars, and Brendan Hark in the like rhythm guitar. Well, maybe lead. I don't know. Him and Richie Rano probably both played lead. Two guys from the 70s hard rock band Stars were there. And when I asked them about Cheap Trick, they had a lot to say and they had associations and everything. Jack Douglas produced them right after he produced Cheap Trick. So I was interested in, in hearing about just working with Jack Douglas right around exa- the exact same time that Cheap Trick did, you know? Uh-huh. Well, I love it because you never know when you start talking Cheap Trick with someone where it's going to wind up. And you might have mined some gold here, brother. Yeah, it was great. They had associations I didn't even know about, so. All right, well, without further ado, would you introduce the segment? Yeah, so this is me at the Nashville Rock and Pot Expo talking to Joe X. Doobie and Brendan Harkin from Stars. Talking cheap trick. <laughs> Howdy. One thing I was thinking about is, uh, so do you guys do you know like the months that you recorded Violation at the record plant? It's was it in '76 or '77? It came out in '77, but was it? Was, it? Uh, either the hey, by end. By the way, you should tell who we are. That, that's yes. Doobie. Oh, yeah. Joe, X, Joe X, Doobie, Doobie, and Brendan Harkin. Brendan Harkin from, from Stars. Stars yeah. It. Which, so, by the way, I'm a huge fan. Cool, cool. <laughs> well, you know, Violation. What, what time of year did we do that? Was, like in the was, fall was, or summer? I thought it was winter. It was probably the end of 76 <laughs> you think it was winter, I it was or the beginning of 77. Well, let's see. So that's what I would... Yeah, well, I would say it's probably late 76 is when we, wow. we did it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, because so... And it came out in 77? Is that yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm glad but you But I don't know what, what like the release date was in 77. Oh. No idea. But, uh, I don't know. But what I was thinking about is, so Cheap Trick recorded their first album with Jack Douglas at the record plant in like, October 76. So were you guys like right after them? Yes, yeah. because I remember Jack. We had done our first album, and I remember Jack playing us a cut of the Cheap Chick Trick record, or a rough, yeah. like, you know, when we were in to do Violation. So do you remember when that was, when their record was done? It was in October 76 so at the record when, plant with Jack. Violation was done. I see that Jameson and Sam Ginsburg worked yeah, on yours. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah, I talked to both those guys. Hey, did Jay do that 
Yeah. Cheap Chick Records. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Okay. So Jack yeah, was, was doing Aerosmith, Cheap Trick Stars, yeah. Aerosmith. Yeah. You know, he was just right. working. He was right. working like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, if you remember when we were in Chicago, Cheap Trick was hadn't done their first one yet. And we had a club we, and we went out to hear. We had the day off and we went down to see him play in Cicero or something. Yeah, with Jack. With Jack and Jack was going to go see him. Go see him live. Yeah, to check him out. You know? And they him. were where? Were, where and when was this? It was '76. With it was a bowling alley or something in Cicero, South Chicago. And Jack was in Chicago to go see them play. We were in town. We had the day we off. Went with them. So no, that which, would have probably been early '76. We were on tour. And, well, the, you know. the, the, the the bowling alley was in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Was well, that, does that sound right? Well, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't it's, a bowl. It was just a bowl. Okay. It was, it was so in Chicago. Yeah. You know it was in Chicago. It was in Somewhere South around South. Chicago. And, but yeah. Richie and I knew the guys in Cheap Trick long before they were Cheap Trick. I Because I was in a band in Wisconsin who was managed by Adam Manny. You and, I, and I remember when they were still the Grim Reapers. Yeah. Well, I, I, were that, the same guys? Well, it was Rick and... You know, and then Richie knew them when they were Fuse. So when so we were there we and we saw them we were standing in the parking lot they roll up Rick comes bouncing out of the bus and he's dressed like the way he was now yeah kind of like you are now yeah right it's kind of like yeah you, know, you like do look a little and, like and, Rick. and, and Richie goes what the fuck is that right and and, and, and and Rick goes I've always been like this we're going get out of here I know you don't give me that crap but they, they, I was blown away by him when they I was and fan- I never knew anything about him before fantastic Jack, you want to go hear this band. And they just were like, they were so funny. I mean, Rick was so funny. Yeah. You know, he, I, I, just was I love them. You know? I absolutely yeah. love them to death. I, you know, I never loved their records. I thought they made really good records. <laughs> I did. You know, I mean, it, it, it wasn't for me. I'm not criticizing them. I just never cared for them. But you loved them live. But I sure loved them when I saw them in the club. Yeah. You know? they, were just, they were like cartoons. And of course, you know, like Rick is a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. So, and they were nice guys. They were, they were nice guys. So super we, nice guys. We, I, did we ever gig with them? Uh, no, but uh, we, they, we were in the same places at the same time lot. sometimes. A like, lot. We, I remember being backstage with Rick at somebody else's gig, and you know, so and we're just hanging with them. And, yeah. Uh, and real nice guys. You know? Yeah. And you said you were in a band managed by Adam Annie? In when I was in high school in Wisconsin. What band was that? The, the band was called the Denims. And our, we, I was living in Janesville. Uh, those guys are all from Rockford, and Adam and he managed both of us. Their band was a little higher up on the uh, charts, but he managed us, he managed them, he managed Steve Miller. You know, I mean, he managed everybody. If you were from Wisconsin, Adam and he managed you. So you grew up in Wisconsin? Uh, a couple years. Yeah, so I, years. I grew up in Wisconsin, Where? yeah. Where? Um, Waukesha. Waukesha. Where I grew sure. up, but I live in Madison now. I actually, I had a meeting with Adam. I'm working on a book about Cheap Trick. Are you? And I had a meeting with Adam Andy like a year ago, and I'm supposed to meet with him again in September. Um, I, w- I was at the gig when Otis Redding didn't show. You were and, there. And those guys the were opening up, and that's kind of ironic that the Groom Reapers were opening for Otis, yeah. and Otis never came. Yeah, his plane crashed in the Lake Monona oh. on the way to the yeah, show. The, that, yeah. show that, that was the one. He was playing. He was supposed to play. And you the were factory. there. So yeah. were you lined up outside waiting? And you, they announced. Supposedly they opened the window and said with like a megaphone that he died. You were there. Yeah. You remember I came that? With the two, me and two other guys in my band all went down because it was, you know, it was both Adam and Annie and it was local, and we all love Otis Redding anyway. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so do you remember when they announced that he that he his plane crashed? I don't remember. No, I just know. I remember I was there. Did you stay for the gig when the Grim Reapers played, and they brought in 
who did they bring in? They Ken brought somebody in from Milwaukee to play the gig, and they did like a tribute to Otis Redding. That night. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty weird. It's yeah. pretty weird. Wow. But I mean, that's so when they became Tree Trick, there was no new news to me. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing new to me. Yeah. Did you ever, when did you leave that area? Uh, I was back in New Jersey where I live now by by the end of 68. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Okay. I was living in Wisconsin like 65, 66, 67. Okay. You know, back then. So you had interviewed them for your podcast? No, only Bunny. He's the only one I'm okay, talking so he, to. Okay, he's pissed, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a, little, a good it's it's a little, Yeah, it's, it's not good. Strange. It's a yeah. little strange. They kicked him out. Well, they they wanted to kick him out, but since it's a, a company you can't owned fire by all me, four. I quit, you know? Yeah. Well, he owns one-fourth of the business. Right. So you can't just say you're kicked out of your one-fourth of the right. business. So. Right. So now they tour and they still have to pay him 25%. Really? Well, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. He's, uh, he's got cigarette money. Yeah. <laughs> he's the only guy in the band I never really knew. I knew Tom uh, and um, and Robin and, and Rick a lot better. Yeah. Bunny, I never really gotten to know. Wow, that that's... See, I thought I would I would come here and ask all you guys about Cheap Trick and just see what you and here you were in a band that was managed by Animani. I'm, I'm a I'm a headian. I, that name's familiar to me. Ken Animani. Ken Animani, and I don't know why, but probably because of he, that. He he basically know. ran Wisconsin. Okay. That was Richie involved with him. Anyway? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, when Richie Rano was involved with Animani. Oh sure. Really? Yeah, oh yeah. He was in Wisconsin. He was really? in, yeah. His band was called. Bungie. His band was called Bungie. And I had gone back to New Jersey, and Rich moved to, to Appleton. And he was in a band called Bungie, Bungie, and Ken managed them, too. And when was that? 74, So were they playing the same clubs as Cheap Trick? He was, wait, no, it was earlier than that. Richie oh, played okay. in Bungie, like in Wisconsin, like 70. Okay, but that's when he, he didn't he know them from that, that yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder yeah. if Richie would talk to me for my book. Oh, he'd be happy yeah. to. You want his note? I'll give you his note. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Thank you very much. We knew you'd like that one. If you like that one, you'll love this one, too. Not necessarily so. Maybe not. This is one of our favorites. We know you'll love it. It's called Disco Paradise. Oh. Remember this, folks. Sing along with us, please, for the chorus. It goes like this, Disco Paradise. What is Disco People say man can live without disco. Well, I don't know about that. Okay. 
Not everybody gave us that much information. I know that there was a brief encounter that you got, right? Oh, a Troy Lachetta? Yeah. The drummer from Tesla. Um, I asked him about Cheap Trick, and he had a little bit to say and a story to tell. He's a real nice guy. Very nice. And I'm a huge, huge Tesla fan. They were my first concert, which I told Troy. And uh, I also brought my cassette. I said to Troy Lachetta, I was like, we've met before, but you probably don't remember me. And then I pulled up my Psychotic Supper cassette. All the guys in Tesla autographed. Uh, they did an in-store in Milwaukee when the album came out. And I went there and got all their autographs on the cassette inlay card, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I got Troy to autograph my Eric Martin band album that he was on. He's on the back cover. He was in the band, the Eric Martin, from like 1983. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, let's check it out. Troy Lachetta from Tesla talking about one of our favorite bands. (laughs) 
I do a cheap trick podcast too, and I was just I've been asking people, do you have any cheap trick stories? Do you ever cross paths? I, I do. Yeah, I do. Right. I got a great story because <laughs> the the timing's perfect on this because we just were with them in South America in December. Really? Cool. Last December, and there was a warm up room. <laughs> Uh, so Robin Zander it had his name on it and so what I did behind the door you could hear Robin always warming up right Right. so I went into that room and I filmed a little video but I had somebody film the room but you could hear Robin Zander warming up to surrender which it was me back there singing my heart out and I don't sing and I was singing Surrender as loud as I could. And then, you know, there, it says Robin Zander on there. And then the door opens up and I come walking out, you know. <laughs> and I actually shared it with him and he, he got a kick out of that. <laughs> but what a band. Uh, we're all huge Cheap Trick fans yeah. uh, to this day. Yeah. And um, nothing greater, for sure, uh, than uh, Cheap Trick at Budokan. I mean, live at the Budokan, that was such a game changer for them and everybody in the world yeah. of music. Yeah.
Super nice guy. Yeah, all of these guys were so nice. That was one thing that really was impressive about meeting these different guys is how incredibly friendly and kind they were. It was great. Well, it was really neat because when we interviewed Angel, they came over and they saw the banner behind us, right? And there was the cheap talk buttons that we have branded for the podcast promotion, right? And they, they looked at it and go, cheap trick, cool, love them. So it's like everybody, <laughs> everybody, yeah, everybody loves Cheap Trick. Even yeah. even the kids from Under the Radar, that new band that's out, yeah, they really dig Cheap Trick. As a matter of fact, uh, the posters on their walls, it's Kiss and Cheap Trick. It blows my mind. It it just keeps continuing on, right? Yeah, I didn't get to interview the Angel guys. I signed up to interview them. I signed up to interview Ron Keel, and you know there wasn't enough to go around for everyone so i didn't get to interview those guys but i'm sure there would have been more good cheap trick stories to get out of people but i got some good stuff anyways so well they've got cheap talk buttons we are officially out of cheap talk buttons so (laughs) okay it's 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 good to know that that they've got some so there you go maybe they'll come on the show sometime hello hello this is robin zander from cheap trick and you're listening to cheap talk now you've got another interview correct yeah, Paul Taylor, who was keyboard player and rhythm guitarist and winger, asked him about Cheap Trick, and here you go. I Completely unexpected. He actually did one of his first tours he ever did when he was in Aldo Nova's touring band. He toured with Cheap Trick, and he had some great stories. So, you, you know, I, that's, this is the feeling I had going in, is I'm just going to ask all these guys about Cheap Trick and see what happens, and here you go. You get these great stories that you didn't even expect. So take it away.
How's it going? Hi. All right, so I'm with Paul Taylor from Winger. I saw you guys open for Kiss at Alpine Valley. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but Kip Winger tripped and fell on his face on stage at that show. I don't remember, but there's probably been a few incidences of that for all of us. Yeah. Reb yeah. sliding across the stage and sliding right off the end and into the audience and, you know, one time swinging a guitar and it slipped out of his hand and went flying into the, you know, it happens. I bought one of those full print shirts at that show, I remember. You had a Winger shirt that was like printed all over the whole shirt. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but uh, my show Cheap Talk, it's a Cheap Trick podcast, yeah. and so I was thinking, I would ask all you guys, you know, from the music industry, maybe you've come across Cheap Trick, interacted with them, maybe you'd have a well, cool Cheap Trick Well, funny enough, story. one yeah. of my very first tours was opening for Cheap Trick, which was back when I was with Aldo Nova in 82. Yeah, right, And awesome. uh, we went out on the road, it was us and Saxon and Cheap Trick. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, of course, I was flipping out because yeah. I was a huge Cheap Trick fan. So well, yeah. See, that's the theme. All you guys, your generation, musicians, guys and bands, you all love Cheap Trick. It's, you know, every, I think everybody does. They're just yeah. one of those bands. There's certain bands that just kind of have the respect of everybody else. And yeah. Cheap Trick's just, you know, aside from the fact that they've survived the test of time and, and he's still singing so well and um, they're just amazing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so, so when you were on tour with them, yeah, you have any memories or stories? Well, I, a couple of memories. Uh, we did uh, on, let's see, there was another tour where we did, it was uh, with Saxon and Cheap Trick and us, and Saxon's drummer got very ill, and Bunny was going to sit in and play drums for Saxon, but as the, as the next day came and the show, he didn't have to, but we were all going early just because we were like oh we got to see this <laughs> that would have been awesome but, uh, <laughs> and then i remember one time it was funny we were in uh corpus christi texas and we were all by the pool and some girl and uh, you know robin was down there and the, you know most of the cheap trick band and and me and i think the guitar player of aldo were down there and some girl was up on probably like the 10th floor balcony and spotted those guys she's like Oh my God! Are you guys cheap tricks? She's yelling off the balcony to the whole pool area, and she goes, "I won't tell anybody." You know, and there's like a hundred people out in the pool area. You know, so of course at that point everyone's looking around, going, "Oh, where are they?" You know. But that was what, like '82, '82, yeah. So one on one, they were two in for one on one.
to me, I can never ever get over the fact that everyone loves Cheap Trick like they do. They should be so much more loved and known than they are. And could you imagine if if there had been a show where Bunny Carlos played drums with Saxon, how legendary that would probably be among Cheap Trick fans? <laughs> yeah, that's right up there with the time that uh, Bunny put on the Paul Stanley boots and he might have wound up playing as the Catman when Peter <laughs> yeah. was too stoned to, to go on, but he managed to get it together. But I loved how Paul Taylor was like, all the guys in the other bands were going to get there early because they were like, we got to see this because <laughs> Buddy was going to play with Saxon. <laughs> Unbelievable. But- next up on our interviews from rock and pod 2018 well toby wright who ended up becoming a pretty big name producer in the 90s uh he did a lot of work before he became a producer he did a lot of work as an engineer and he was the assistant engineer on lap of luxury Mm. so he was at the expo and I, i sat him down and all we did was talk about lap of luxury for the whole interview so 
it was pretty interesting to hear his perspective on that record, you know, which is a, a kind of an oddball in the Cheap Trick catalog for different reasons. And but obviously, because it had the big number one hit song, it's a very important record in their history. So. So without further ado, here is Toby Wright talking about Cheap Trick. I do this show Rock and or Roll, but I also uh, do a show called Cheap Talk about uh, cheap about cheap trick. Okay. So I was uh, wanted to talk to you about Lap of Luxury. Oh, okay. Uh, were you assistant engineer on that? I was. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, where's my notes? So I mean, so when they made that record, was there a lot of record label interference, or were the band, you know, they were trying to. That was their comeback, and I think that was like their purpose when they were making that record. Do you remember? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I, I remember Richie Zito, the producer, having long conversations with the A&R guy at, at the label about, you know, um, what what should happen with this record and how are we going to get a hit out of it. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, in comes, you know, flying in, where, where, where comes this song, yeah. and it's like... Nobody wanted to do it. Yeah. Nobody nobody in the, nobody band. In the band wanted yeah. to do the flame. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, in, in the spirit of, of music and and everything, they, they finally gave in um, after Richie coerced them a little bit. And uh, boom, the rest is history. Yeah, number one and, single. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was that was the, uh, the wonderful song that Robin... Uh, was getting a massage while he was doing the lead vocal, <laughs> so he actually did it with his face in the in the donut. Really? I had to mic him from underneath, and uh, I was like, "Are you serious, dude?" He's like, "Yeah, man." He told the lady or whoever was massaging him—I don't remember—but he told her, you know, just don't touch my back or anything while I'm singing, you know, because he'd get all out of breath and move and. Uh, ah. <laughs> So that's the take on the record. He's laying on the massage chair and the mic's under. Yep, there's a couple of them. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty. Great. It's pretty that's awesome. Great. Yeah, that's hilarious. And it, uh, like there's a, there's a lot of there's several songs by outside songwriters on that record that really don't even sound like Cheap Trick. Like the song Space. You remember that one? I do. Charlie Sexton had recorded a version of it. And, right. Uh, 
So, I don't remember who the writers were on that one. Yeah, I can't remember either, but, um, like, who in the band even played on that? So, like, some of the songs, it sounds like the whole band might not even have played on some of them. I mean, do you remember? They, they did. They did. Um, yeah, we, I, I was working in a studio called One on One at the time, um, yeah. and it was a big tracking facility that I had built uh-huh. about five years prior to that, um, and it was a big 50 by 60 oak room, um, so it was great for drums and you know, just the drum sounded incredible. And back then, you know, you wanted that big, huge snare drum, and you know, you wanted that boomy kick and all that kind of good stuff. So, you know, we we went through you know a whole bunch of drum stuff, and you know, at that point in time, you know, we had like eight ISO booths or something weird like that. So the whole band was able to track at the same time, um, and so you know, we got in there and we played, and they played, and they played, and they played, and, they played. You know, and I just kept rolling tape. Yeah. You know, and wow. that was, yeah. you know, from Phil, and there was the engineer, um, you know, to Richie, the producer, you yeah. know, just keep on rolling that tape, bro, you know, and just, and then after the band would leave, you know, we'd piece some stuff together, or not, depending on, you know, what we got out of the day. Right, right. So, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, that's, that's the thing about that record. It has, like, a bad reputation, maybe because of the flavor, like, among some hardcore cheap trick fans, not me, but... Um, and yet it sounds great like the record sounds great except for yeah. maybe a couple of songs that like space or that have like more keyboards and stuff in it but overall like a song like let go is one of my favorite cheap chick songs my too yeah and it sounds amazing on the record i mean it's yep. totally killer you know so that there's some really great moments on the record that i think some people just kind of miss because they look at lap electric that's the flame album right you know i mean i and like if you look at the records like right preceding it Standing on the edge, I like a lot, but it's not the greatest sounding record. And then the doctor is like was like a real mess. Right. So Lab of Luxury sounds way better. But it, it does. Kind of has this reputation. Um, yeah, and I think it's only because of the flame. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But you know, people call it a sellout and yeah. all that nonsense. And you know, for those people, all I have to say is. They had a number one hit, so haha. Yeah, it, it, it very well saved their entire career. They might not even be playing right now. Right. You know, if they didn't have that song. Right. You know, and it's not a bad song. I, I, you know, it's just like Rick Nielsen wrote such great ballads. He had great ballads on the albums right before that. Absolutely. And so I always say it's not Rick's fault that his ballads weren't a hit. You know, it's not his fault. Right. They should have been hits, but they just weren't. And so. Right. Like but they, had, but they, they were, were in his mind, and they were cheap trick songs. Yeah, you know, more cheap trick than some of the, you know, yeah. other other things that they did. Yeah, you know what I mean. And you know, to cover other uh, to cover other writers' stuff, and you know, I I think good credit to him is he kept going. Yeah, you know, and kept writing him, and kept writing him, and kept yeah. trying. You know, where in the face of that record company stuff, some people just give up. You know, they're like, oh, you're not going to use my song? Great. Never mind. You know, I'll just play whatever. And, you know, and then those are the sellout people who just give up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, and okay. But he kept kept going and kept writing and, you know, kept giving it another swing and another swing. And for that, I really have to admire the man. You know, besides, he's a great person. And, and yeah. a phenomenal guitar player. Yeah. You know, he's amazing. I love that guy. I've talked to other people that work with the band in the studio, and I almost always hear them say they're one of the best bands I ever worked with. 
you know, they were one of the most talented bands. It was Absolutely. Musicians, yeah, you concur with all of that. I just remember it was really funny watching Bunny Carlos smoke and play at the same time. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he was like... Even in the studio? <laughs> even in the studio. I had to put ashtrays on both sides of the drum kit, you know, because he might put one down and might take it out with his left hand, put it down, do a roll, pick it up. Do another one, and then he put it down on the right side. And sometimes he'd set it on the on the floor, Tom. It would just burn a hole in the head. I was like, what? That's great. So I gave him a couple of standing ashtrays, you know. And, and yeah. but it was it was interesting. It was really cool to work with those guys. Yeah, I've been a fan since I was a little boy. Yeah, really. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Since yeah. you know, Budokan record, yeah. you know, right. for most everybody, right? Right. So. And that record's got never had a lot to lose, which they still play in their live set all the time. That's like a really a classic Cheap Trick song. And plus, that was written by Robin and Tom. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. So, like, were you a part of the... Any, were you involved in the process of, like, picking which songs were going to go on the record and which no, were recorded? No, I was just an assistant engineer. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my, my job description was just keep the tape rolling, keep the studio up and rolling, because I worked actually for the studio. Yeah. And, and, you know, the band would come in with their producer and engineer as clients. So, you know, my gig was to keep everybody happy, uh, you know, and be a representative of the, of the studio. But I just happened to have, I was the only assistant at that studio in the, in the heyday of all of that music. Yeah. So I got, you know, I got to assist on yeah. some amazing, amazing yeah. records. Yeah. And I learned a lot and then became the producer that I am today. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you remember that it never had a lot to lose? The oh oh, you know that part. Do you oh yeah. Remember about recording that? Like, was that a part of the song when it was written, or did that like happen in the studio maybe, or it's something? That like, I don't remember. Like Rick didn't write the song, but that part feels like Rick came up with it. That feels like a Rick Nielsen part to me. Possibly. Yeah. Again, we were a tracking studio, so I might not have been involved with background vocals okay. and and okay. stuff like that because yeah. I, I know they went to other studios after yeah. they got done. Because um, we were too expensive and, and very booked with record yeah. after record after record of tracking at that point in time. You know, we did Whitesnake and Hart and Molly Crew and yeah. Dawkins, and, and then the list goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the song, All We Need Is A Dream? Yes. That one has more a kind of like an epic feel. It kind of has a different feel from yeah. the, the rest of the album. Do you, do you know why, or do you have any insight into why it kind of sounds different? I, I just think it's the tempo of it, it's and and the key of it. Yeah, I yeah. think it's a bit more ominous than yeah. you know the rest of the record is a little bit more happy. That one's a little bit more dark. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think that lends itself to what you're feeling. You know what I mean? Right. 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 So yeah, I definitely remember that song. It's one of my favorites on there. Yeah, it is one of the better ones. Greg Jafria from Angel uh, co-wrote it with them. Man. Right, right. Yeah, maybe that's why it sounds different too. Probably. probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, whenever you're in, whenever you invite a co-writer in, yeah. especially to a unit that's already established, it's gonna change the feel at least, you know. And if they have any any playing influence, like Jafria on keyboard, you know, it, it's gonna change the way everything feels and sounds. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's just. Oh, and they got Ghost Town on there too. Ghost Town, Rick had that song like back by one at one on one time or something. Right. Um, you know, you knew that, yeah. Yeah. Like, did they have? Was there an old? Dem did you ever hear an old demo of Ghost Town? Did you happen to have heard a demo or something? I might have, but then yeah. again, I don't remember. It yeah. A long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Because I think there's supposed to be a demo that ex that exists that was demoed like one on one or next position, please time period. 
very well might be. I mean, you know, if so, it, it happened there and, you know, was yeah. was like all on the money and, you know, oh, let's, let's play that, copy that, go. Yeah. You know.
Now, earlier, BJ, we were talking about the biters. And yeah. to me, I can hear some of Cheap Trick and all the things I love from the 70s in the biters' music. Can't you? Yeah, you wouldn't have to tell me that the biters like, like Cheap Trick for me to figure out that they like Cheap Trick. That's an obvious one. Uh, one thing, though, you know, the Biters have a lot of songs that are very obviously tributes. Like, they have a song that sounds exactly like Thin Lizzy. They have, there's one that sounds exactly like T-Rex. Then they don't really have a song that I could think of that sounds as much like Cheap Trick as some of their other songs sound like other bands. But, yeah, obviously they're huge Cheap Trick fans, and there's been an influence there for sure. Definitely. And uh, I think Restless Hearts would be a good song to play, don't you? Sure. If you listen, there's a keyboard effect that kind of reminds me of what's in Surrender a little bit. Right. So without further ado, here's one of the bands you should be supporting and buying their music of. If you love Cheap Trick, you'll find a lot of what you love about Cheap Trick. Good hooks, good vocals, great music, drums and guitars right here on The Biters. Check it out. Restless Hearts. I'm headed out the door, I told ya, liquor store I got no money in my pocket, but I want more The tears well through bloodshot eyes I wanna live it up while I chase this high When I hit the streets, it's gonna be out of sight My restless heart won't sleep tonight
so you guys should be listening to that. I encourage all of our listeners to check out the Biters, and hopefully they'll come on the show sometime. There's also something really cool that we want to tell folks about. There's a really neat video podcast about Cheap Trick called Cheap Trick Tube. If you go to YouTube and do a search for it, go to YouTube and do a search for Cheap Trick Tube. There will be links in the show notes. It's our good friend Ralph Vieira. He's a blast, right, BJ? Yeah. He's a trip. As a matter of fact, he and his co-host, Ian Wadley, showed up dressed up in Vinnie Vincent makeup, right? The Ankh Warrior. Yes, the Ankh Warrior. Oh, boy, it was a hot day in Nashville. But (laughs) (laughs) Ian wound up looking like Captain Spaulding from House House of a Thousand Corps, right? Ian looked ridiculous. There's some great pictures. (laughs) Yeah. We recommend that you check out Cheap Trick Tube on YouTube and just enjoy it because it's it's great. All these years, you know, you've been hoping that there'd be a book or two about Cheap Trick, and now we've got Michael Hayes's and Robert Lawson's and other books are coming. Now you've got Cheap Talk and now Cheap Trick Tube. This is, this is a good time to be a Cheap Trick fan. You going to say anything there or you just going to leave me hanging? <laughs> what was I supposed to say? I don't know. I like cheese. I'm from Wisconsin. Whatever the fuck you want to say. <laughs> there were better times to be a Cheap Trick fan. than. Oh Wizard. my god, you're so negative. Just say yes. There's a lot of cool stuff about Cheap Trick. <laughs> Is it that fucking difficult to be positive? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Are you going to say anything that I can use? <laughs> I don't know what am I supposed to say. Yes, there's some cool <laughs> stuff out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, there's some cool stuff out there. Oh, my God. <laughs> I uh, concur. <laughs> I concur, Ken. <laughs> affirmative. <laughs> that seems logical, Captain. Ditto. Make schmega dildo. <laughs> schmega dildo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so we will be back on the next episode of Cheap Talk with Cheap Talk 50. Boy, hard to believe, huh? We're going to reach 50 episodes of this. Side one of the most beloved Cheap Trick album of all time, right? The Doctor. I forgot we recorded that, or that it hadn't come out yet. <laughs> hey, we, we, we had to go to, to Nashville, man, yeah, so we've yeah. been busy. That's good, though. We have something in the can. <laughs> Hot. Wouldn't be the first time you've had something in the can. Hot. <laughs> Check out BJ over at the Rock and or Roll podcast. Check me out over at the podcast. BJ's there sometimes. The Pop A Pop Culture Podcast, The Fun Size Show, Zilch a Podcast Full of Monkeys, and Everything Sucks Podcast. So I've got a few things going. You've got an Everything Sucks Podcast now? Yeah. I thought you were just talking about all your podcasts in general. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, the, hopefully someday me and Lee McCormick are going to have the fleshy-headed minute where we do a strange brew minute by minute, but uh, the, the if we movie? could find the time, yeah. So much to podcast, so little time to edit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Ah oh, yeah, it's alright, feels good to be alive. Turn this. So we will see you on the next episode of... Cheap Talk. Cheap Talk. Good night now, ladies and gentlemen. Good night now, ladies and gentlemen. Suicide! 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 Suicide!
And that's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap tricking. Oh no, are you tired, fatigued, lackadaisical, drowsy, run down, plum tuckered out, like a lizard on a window pane? Well, Mother Superior jumped the gun with this new Oh Yoko Energy Drinks. Oh Yoko Energy Drinks. You'll go from sounding like this Nixon and Chema Mao to this Oh Yoko Energy Drinks. Just $9.99.